Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Hughes Eight. Children's books. Why, what, and how? So I'm listening to a podcast today, and one of the guys says to the other one, "We know when you, when I think of February, it's like it's like the real beginning of spring in some ways. It's like it's like that proto just beginning of spring." Now this podcast uh, takes place in Portland, Oregon, which is the only reason, aside from the slightly lighter days, that any human being would think of February as anything but the deepest, dankest, darkest part of winter. I think of it as uh, chapter, like, act three, winter. Mm. You know, it's after this, it gets easier. You just got to get through the month. I don't know, man. March feels like a raw deal. Like, March makes you think it's going to be, like, you see the pictures of it in kids' books, and it's all, like, you know, patches of green poking through the snowdrifts and, like, baby lambs. For well, some reason, coming out. Patrick's Day, I don't see that. I don't remember a lot of snow ever being on St. Patrick's Day. It's cold, but it's I don't. Cold. I don't remember there being not a like lot this. of snow though. Not like this, right? Stormy, not the loveliness. two feet of snow that Chicago got. Right. Uh, that that's fun. That's super fun. Well, <laughs> if I say let them keep their Portland podcast, it's all Chicago podcasts for me, <laughs> like this one. Uh, where what do we do on this here podcast? Oh, this is Fuse Eight and Kate. Good enough. We talk point. about picture books, and then we rate them, and then we talk about other things. The end. <laughs> Well, I was just saying, <laughs> yes, you're right. All those things are true, and I believe in them. Now, when this podcast comes out, uh, it will be almost a week until say, uh, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is falling on a Sunday this year. So I had thought that I would bring you a romantic one. Um, there is one in particular that I'm very fond of. And then I thought to myself, Betsy... That's not appropriate. It's much better if that's the next one that I do is done for the day after Valentine's Day. So I'm saving that one for you. So you're saving it for President's Day? I'm saving it for President's Day, the least romantic day of the year, <laughs> unless you like buying mattresses, in which case, go crazy! Go do that romantic mattress buying that you people do. No. Mm, um, Abraham but, Lincoln. You know... Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> um... Well, I think he's cute. Uh, I was going to instead do a book that I think was... uh, This kind of makes things up to you, Kate, because I've been giving you a lot of, like, super obvious, not a ton of detail picture books, and I thought, what Kate needs is a book with details. Uh Uh-oh. And and zero words. What? So I'm just going to pull this out here. Anno's Journey by it's it's a it's it's by Anno actually it is it is by Anno Mitsumasa Anno to be precise. Have you ever heard of the 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 Anno books in any way, shape, or form? No. Our grandmother for some reason had a couple of these in her house. You were too little probably to remember them, but I remember reading these in uh in grandma blackwell's house 
And uh, how can you read something if it doesn't have words? Because my oh, you will learn. Um, my only caveat for you is eventually you you just have to stop looking. Okay, so you you don't want to do this all night. Um, but here, take take this, take that. Go read that thing. Okay. With no words. While Kate does her read, let's do a little background information on Mitsumasa Anno. Uh, as it turns out, you may have heard he died not that long ago, um, just this past December 2020. He he died, and I, I missed putting him. I usually do an obituary post of all the children's literature creators who have died in a given year, and he did not make the cut because I, the announcement didn't come out until like mid-January here in the States. So thanks, America. But as it turns out, Anna was born March 20th, 1926, in Shimane Prefecture in western Japan. He grew up in Suwano, a small town surrounded by mountains. Now, in a 1983 Hornbook interview, Anna noted that even as a young boy, he had always longed to journey beyond the isolation of his small community. Quote, Because my world was cut off from the outside world, first by the mountains and then by the ocean, the desire was to see what lay on the other side and grew stronger. Anno served in the Japanese army during World War II, and after the war, he studied at Yamaguchi Teacher Training College, and he earned a degree there in 1948, and he taught math at a Tokyo elementary school for about 10 years, and then during that time kind of developed creative ways to present material to his students using different perspectives. He also continued working on art in his spare time, and then he fully launched his career as a painter in 1961. So basically, he was 35 when he finally decided to go off and be a painter. I love that fact, because it means you can you don't have to just like be some like genius at the age of 20 who's like, I know what I want to do with the rest of my life. No, it can take a little time sometimes. And as it turns out, um, he's one of the few children's book illustrators that has a museum, the Mitsumasa Anno Museum, designed by the artist himself. It was established in his honor in his hometown of Suwano. Um, the only other two museums that I can think of that have anything uh, similar to that is, of course, the Eric Carle Museum here in the States and the Quentin Blake Museum in England. So it's supposed to be a great museum. And someday, when we can ever travel again, let's all go give it a visit. Hello. Hello. Or should I say, oh, no. Okay. Eh. Yeah. Eh. Eh. Dude, this book, it's got duels and clowns and butts. It's got everything a kid's book could have. Butts. I did not know it had clowns, but if I had thought long and hard about it, it just makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Did it have a, did it have a cheeky son? <laughs> Yes. Did it really? Yeah. It literally has everything we've ever oh, discussed. Oh, no, no, no. It doesn't have a sassy son. Oh, sassy son. I thought, you, says, I thought you meant when he said cheeky. I oh, thought you man. meant like... Oh, like a cheeky moon. Like a, yeah. Like ah. his butt. Yeah. Like a butt. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely got a butt. It does have a butt. So, uh, yes, uh, I'm amazed you finished it as quickly as you did, quite frankly, which is to say it took less than two hours. So. Well, there's definitely a lot of details here, um, mm -hmm. and it's not a book you can read because there are no words. You can read it. You just don't read words. You just pour you... over the pictures for long periods of time. Right. You can kind of read a story yeah. through the pictures. And there's a, there's a continuation. Yes. The little guy on the horse yeah. going through all the pictures. So well, I always used to call him Anno, but maybe that's not his name. I don't know. I would assume so if it says journey. It does say Anno's journey, so yeah. there you go. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, this. These illustrations are all dots and little lines, and I just wonder how long did it take? It's like to make this. It's like you took a Peter Cease and you just scrunched it down. But we haven't done a Peter Cease yet, so you don't know what I'm talking about. Nope. Correct. Okay. So we follow the journey of this guy who rode over from the water. Sure. Got onto land, either bought or borrowed a horse, and is riding it through town. Right. Well, in the countryside and everywhere. That's not just town. It's right. He he goes through different fields and right. farms just and land, land, and then great into... swaths of land. Yeah, and then he gets into <laughs> like a land. Uh, like a sort of a town, like a country uh, village. Like, yeah, village, yeah. and then eventually into a town square and everything. But mm. um, in case people are wondering where the butt is, because it's very important, and these do not have page numbers, so we can't be precise. Right, it's the page where the uh, the grave men are building graves for the graveyard, which is depressing. For the grave diggers. Um, but, oh no, no, they're making the stones. Yeah. Oh, they're they're stonemasons making gravestones. Yeah, but then all huh. the way to the bottom on the left. You see a butt. Wait, let me see the butt. <laughs> I want to see the butt. I heard about the butt. Yep. And then there's a guy with a ladder who wants to see the butt. So there you go. But what's interesting on this page that I don't know if anyone else has pointed out, maybe I'm alone here, but the image of there are these people that are carrying a table upside down and trying to get it onto like a carriage yeah. sort of thing. And there's like, like these oxen pulling mm-hmm. it and there's a lady and there's a grandfather clock this entire image is used again um does it is it that you they're unpacking later and and doing the home because he'll do that he'll show us like a group in an early thing and then later you'll see how they're coming along because apparently Anno takes freaking forever to get anywhere on his horse <laughs> but He's is it strolling this, yeah is it is it like like they're like they're moving in the next time you see them I suppose they could be. That might be what you it is. You see someone later on um, on the train station page of someone either going in or out of a building. But I'm, I was just surprised because it is huh. the exact same lady. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The same carriers, the same clock, the same... Well, like, they were moving to apparently the future because there's a train there? That's strange. Okay. I, I don't know. It's, I, huh. it's just exactly the same, which I thought was kind of cheating if you're going to be copying and pasting the yeah. same illustrations. Wow. This was 19, what, 79? So no cutting and pasting for this yeah, book. Yeah, I want to get to the oh, to the time frame because yeah. looking at these illustrations, I uh, thought it was going to be uh, the late 1800s, judging yeah. by the attire that the women are wearing. Sure, the, it's the very, clothes do seem to indicate Victorian, that. Victorian, right? Mm-hmm. yeah. And then as he's going through town, there's this race that's happening. Oh, right. And I like how um, the winner (laughs) of the race, it's this number eight. But if you look really closely at number eight's face, oh, they're so unhappy. Oh, Oh. why are they so unhappy? Oh, because they came in number eight? No, No. that's 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 his number. Yeah, yeah, no. After you run a really long time. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't know when I hear these things. Let me tell you feel like death <laughs> okay well then that's an accurate ending to I, any race i really liked how miserable this person was because I, usually in books it's like yay i am full of elation and joy and feel no pain oh no you want to vomit okay and, uh, <laughs> all right well go man go but on the same page as well on the same spread as the winning of the race in the top right corner there's a duel oh a duel which i thought number one illegal and number two aren't they supposed to take place at dawn uh, everything's legal in Jersey, so. 
This, <laughs> this is not Jersey. This is not Jersey, yeah. This is definitely Also, oh, is that a lady nearby? Oh, yeah. You're not oh, supposed yeah. to have a lady at a duel. I think that's sort of the whole point of a duel is that ladies are nowhere in sight. Right. She's in sight. It's in the middle of the they day. They messed up this duel in so many ways. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. No wonder we got rid of them. <laughs> but, but then later, there's definitely a Sunday in the Park with George on the next yes, page. Yes. There's so... a couple paintings, apparently. I, I have a list here. Uh, Van Gogh's Bridge at Arles. Seurat's La Grande Jetée, obviously. Uh, Millet's Les Glaneuses and Cervantes' Don Quixote uh, mm-hmm. is in there somewhere, too. Oh, so. I, I did see that. That's, okay, there that's you go. easy to find. But... Those are little things. But yeah, some paintings, I but guess. But this is yeah. what made me think it was the late 1800s, which later I get yeah. very confused. I guess, I guess they had trains then, so what am I talking about? Yeah, sure. But I thought it was, you know what? He's done another book that's medieval, and I'm getting that mixed up with this one, so... Well, I like how the main character is going. He's on every single page, and my goal was to find him on every single oh, page. Oh, like Waldo. Exactly. <laughs> Except less stripes. And as he's going through town, um, you can see that there's a wedding going on, which Aww, is very sweet. That's very sweet. But then when you go to the next page, like when you flip the page, you yeah. can see this carriage, this horse-drawn carriage with tin cans <laughs> attached to it. I thought that was very clever. That's very nice. It's like a, Maybe they did do that with horse-drawn carriages. I don't know. Really? I don't know. I mean, they must have gotten the idea for cars somewhere. You do see someone. I couldn't tell if he was breaking in ah! or like breaking out of this castle. Yeah, but it looks like a breakout if I had to guess because when the bars are. The end notes do say someone breaking out. So oh, well, there, oh I, there's I, end notes that say what each of these things are? Oh, yes. I'll get oh, to I that too. I didn't even know that. <laughs> I saw the beginning note. I never saw the end notes. And then we get to the clown, Betsy. <sighs> well, just... you know what? There was bound to be one. In a book like this... It's not just one clown. Oh, how many clowns is it, Kate? Well, there's like multiple clowns. There's there's advertising for clowns because it's the circus. But if you look just to the right, you'll see Pinocchio. Well, he did join a puppet circus, sort of. I just thought that was interesting in that he like snuck that in yeah, there. Yeah, the little tiny Pinocchio. And then past the circus, there's this giant parade that's going on. And at the very bottom, you have Sesame Street characters. Okay, give me that. It's, and it's con- that's weird. And it's confirmed at the on the end pages that those are Sesame Street characters. You have like a Kermit. You have like a Big Bird character. Yeah, kind of a weird looking Grover. And maybe that's a Cookie Monster. It's kind of a Big yeah. Bird. And it's certainly a Kermit. That is so weird. It's a random... 1978. And I guess that was a hot thing to sneak into your book. Right. That so... would be a good quiz like question. Like what classic children's book that is not the monster at the end of this book have a parade with Sesame Street, Sesame Street Muppets in yeah. it? Yeah. But this is where I was getting they confused because junky, the page with the Sesame Street characters has this giant building and it says Anno 1976. Yeah, that's really when he made it. It didn't. It came out. Well, okay, I'm, it came out in Japan in 77. It came out in America in 78. Gotcha. Yeah. But then I'm over here like, wait, I thought this was the late 1800s. Yeah. What you doing? Like sneaking your they also current had a Ferris dated. wheel in here, which technically came out in the late 1800s, but that was in. Chicago, Chicago at the World's mm-hmm. Fair, not, you know, I'm in Europe. I'm just by the way, that this scene is of a Times Square type situation, because in Times Square, in New York City, you get junky, rip-off Muppet guys oh, yeah. in costumes, and that's exactly <laughs> what this is. So this is proto-Times Square. This is the very first Elmo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't hug him, dear. Don't hug him. <laughs> Pay him a coin and walk and away. And run away. 
But then, right, so then there's this train that goes by, and the train says that it's 1977. All right, so, so we got a future train in a old-timey... I, I'm <laughs> just, I'm very confused. He's just doing whatever he freaking wants to. But the, He's, I don't know, right. he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> I guess. If he wants to put a future train in his book, he's going to do that. So then you can easily see the Don Quixote reference because oh, there's a giant windmill. Yep. Mm-hmm. There he is. There you go. Very, very clear. Nice. But just below him, you have these three people tugging on a Oh, the enormous turnip of all the fairy tales. Why would you do the enormous turnip? That's a fairy tale? Yeah. It's like they find a turnip and it's really big and the man pulls and he can't get it out and his wife pulls with him and she can't get it out and then like a kid grabs on and like a dog and like a cat and finally like a mouse grabs on and then they all get the turnip out and then they have delicious turnip mash. Ew. Yeah. It has a very sad ending if you don't like turnips. (laughs) And do not. I'm like, why would, yeah. Why couldn't it have been a delicious food they pulled out of the ground? I do like Like though that over three pages- you can see this balloon was in the possession of three kids. A little red balloon. Yeah. And then as you flip the pages, the balloon flies by and then it's off into the sky. That was kind of nice. What ode to that movie? But then on the last page where you can see the the balloon riding off, on the opposite page, you can see little red riding hood and the wolf. That's great. Yeah. I remember that as a kid. This is, that's, there's not much I remember as a kid from this book, but I remember that little Red Riding Hood very clearly and being so pleased with myself as a small child for finding her and knowing who that was and be like, check it out. Hmm. Little Red Riding Hood. I got that. I got that. Well, we get to the end and you can see the horse that our main character had been on is like, you know, next to a tree huh. and our main character is just walking away. Sure so hope someone knows to pick up that horse. Well, I'm what, you know, there's a family down here. So did maybe he, he gave it away? Well, did he return the horse to the original owners? Mm, did he leave it with this family? I, I no. have no idea because that's the end. <laughs> okay. Except you have a huge end note there. Right. right. So the end notes mention um, a few things that I pointed out. So there were the, the paintings that you mentioned. Um, it says there's all sorts of children's games and escaping prisoners, some characters from Sesame Street. Um, so weird. Uh, the Emperor's New Clothes. Which, oh, yeah, that old Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale. Yeah. Red Riding Hood, Pinocchio, mm-hmm. Don Quixote. And then it says there was a romantic tale continued on several pages of love and retribution. Maybe that's why there was a duel and oh. why there was a lady there. There must be some sort of long, I didn't, I'll have to go back. Yeah, and, I didn't yeah. follow that. There's the, a race and it says Beethoven sitting at a window. Oh, nice. Which I, I do have that in my notes as well. Uh, notes of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony also appear above a music shop window, it says. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. So there you go. Nice. Well, the beginning, I read the beginning note of that book, and, and it said that um, that this was done in the tradition of Japanese scroll painting. So when I heard that, I thought, oh, did he, did he do this all on one enormous piece of paper and then just take pictures? Because I've heard of that. There are cases where someone has made a picture book that was just made from one scroll and then just took photos of each, you know, section where the pictures would go but they don't match up sometimes they match up but sometimes they don't so i have to assume this was separate paintings that he did because sometimes he does like the front of like a party going on and Mm -hmm. then you flip the page and it's the back of that party yeah yeah and i'm like well maybe the house but yeah exactly he'll repeat scenes he'll repeat you know or, or a road will suddenly disappear 
So yeah, not not the case. Um, so apparently this book came about as a result of two journeys that Otto took through Europe in 1963 and 1975, where he sort of loved all the, uh, the Europe's landscape and the architecture and the art and the literature. And so he came up with this watercolor wordless book. He says... I wandered from town to town, country to country, and sometimes my journey was hard. But it is at just such times that the reward comes. When a man loses his way, he often finds himself or some unlooked-for treasure. So, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Uh, ratings time. I think this is a great Where's Waldo book because... <laughs> Free Where's Waldo? But every Martin time probably you probably got the idea from him. Well, every time you look at it, you definitely find something new. That's so true. There's so much detail in these illustrations, but it's not chaotic. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't stress me out. Yeah. Whereas the last book you gave me definitely um, gave uh, me heart palpitations. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, it did. The only thing I don't like is well, one like the timeline isn't really clear. Like, is it the late 1800s or is it the late 1900s? I right. don't really know. I, I don't think he knew. I don't think he cared. Yeah. <laughs> I gave it a strong seven. I, I just, I'm not, I don't remember the title. Sorry. Um, That's fine. And I, and I wish that they had also showed where he came from and where he's going, but you know, yeah. I, I, it's this is a journey, not the beginning or destination. Well, and this is definitely <laughs> a book that you would not get bored looking at, you know, Mm-mm. 20 different times because I think every time you'd find something new. Yes, I would agree. And I think both kids and adults could, could oh, yeah. enjoy Oh, yeah. I think this. adults actually would enjoy reading this with a kid. Yeah. Or going through it in some right. way. Right. Yeah. Looking at it with looking a kid. Looking at it with a kid. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's your rating? A seven. Oh, a seven. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would agree. This is, I believe, the first Anno book. He did a whole ton. He also did math picture books for fun because he was a mathematician. Um, but, you know, he did Anno's USA. He did Anno's Italy. But this is the one that I think of when I think of the Anno books. Apparently, this was, he just loved it so much. He was like, I'm just going to make tons of these because <laughs> they're so freaking fast to make. I don't know. I can't imagine how much time goes into them. I love it. I love his art. I love the style. I admittedly probably love it because I read it as an actual kid and uh, and really like it from that. But I'm a 7.5. Wow. So this is because it's above a 5, definitely a classic. Definitely a classic. Go check it Huzzah! out. Cool. Very cool. All right. Letters time. Ooh. All right. This comes from Megan. And Megan writes and she says, I'm a children's librarian in Burlington, Vermont, home of hashtag Bernie's Mittens. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I came across an arc of Jack at Bat in a secondhand store. This is the Mac Barnett book where I said that the uh, monkey character had been changed to a rabbit. Uh. The arc depicts Jack as a monkey. And I immediately wondered if the change had something to do with the Sybils removing baby monkey private eye from their shortlist. Their statement in part read, significantly Anthropomorphized monkeys have been used throughout United States history as a tool of white supremacy to demean and dehumanize African Americans and justify slavery, Jim Crow, and continued racial injuries. While I don't think that all children's books with monkeys are inherently racist, I do think that Jack's publishers made the right call here. Jack's penchant for snacks and lipstick are extra funny when he's a bunny, I think. Mm. So, yep, I had, I was familiar with the situation as it happened. Uh, Mac Barnett made not an immediate statement when that was changed, but he did make one later on explaining why he did it. 
and he's been a bunny ever since. There's a new new Jack books out this year. So thank you, Megan. It's always good to get some more information on that. Grown-up things we learn. Uh, you go first. Okay. Um, I'm continuing my series of watching movies that came out in 2020 when we were all stuck indoors and nobody was watching them. Uh, first Cow uh, came from director Kelly Richard um, and sort of revisits territory and themes that people who are already fans of hers will kind of be familiar with. She loves Portland, Oregon. Um, she did the film Wendy and Lucy back in 2008. That was the only way I knew about her in any way, shape, or form. This basically takes the whole feeling like of the of the Western and the, takes the idea that it was like, you know, lone white cowboy archetype, you know, it was very, everybody was white out there, um, and, and completely turns on its head. It's a weirdly gentle film that feels like it could turn violent at any moment and just never does. Um, there's a, a two, two travelers. Um, one of them, it has come out with a bunch of trappers. Um, he sort of stays in this frontier makeshift, makeshift town on his way there. He helps a, uh, a Chinese man who's on the run from a bunch of Russians who want to kill him. Um, they meet back up again in the town and they just become really good friends. And it's just a, they're just buds. And, um, the first guy, he, he's actually a baker and a rich guy in town has brought the first cow, uh, to Oregon. He has especially brought this cow just for himself. So he can brag that he has a cow. And they realize if we steal the cow's milk, we could make some tasty treats that people will pay a lot of money for. And then maybe we can like use that money and make our lives better in some way you know, maybe in San Francisco or something. So they proceed to steal the cow's milk. It is a fascinating film. It's a, it, I will say it tells you what kind of film it is right at the start, because it, it just shows a, like a present day, a boat going across the screen as slowly as humanly possible for a good five minutes, I'd say. And you're like, I don't know if I want to watch this film. And then it picks up very much from there. <laughs> but yeah, it's got all, you know, the Native American tribes that are living there at the time. And it's got like a black guy is there at one point, And then it's got the Chinese that have come in. So the whole idea of like everybody out there was white, um, it gets completely turned on its head. It's, it's a great movie. And if you don't like violence, good news. Uh, there's always the threat, but it never really goes anywhere. What's it called again? First cow. Okay. Yeah. You so... can get it on the old Netflix, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of Netflix, mm -hmm. uh, you've been on your Oscar movie roll. I'm on my Netflix roll. So oh, okay. Well, there you go. I'm done with Bridgerton, and I well, actually, I, I that's not true. I'm not on Netflix anymore. I'm on to Disney Plus. Oh yes. And I'm watching WandaVision. Oh, I've been catching bits as my husband's been watching WandaVision, and I enjoy everything I've seen about it. Tell us more about this WandaVision. There's only four episodes. Yeah. So far. Um, it came out just a couple weeks ago. Um, if you know the Marvel movies of, you know, Wanda and Vision, you know, they have sort of a relationship. Well, it, it, it kind of takes that, but it ties it into sort of the last Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say too much, but if you, I, I would not recommend watching the trailer uh, oh, does it give it? stuff away? No, it's just gonna confuse you. Okay, well then, never mind then. So, okay. <laughs> um, it's you know the the description online says living idealized suburban lives, super powered beings, Wanda and Vision begin to suspect that everything is not as it seems. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm not sure that's a very good description. You really, it's just one of those things you just have to watch. They're 30 minute episodes, so they're not that long. It's only four episodes, and the fourth episode is really going to turn you on your head. Yeah. Um, it's got a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's entertaining. It's got Katherine Hahn, who I love. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a very interesting cast. And Kat it has Dennings. the original actors from the Marvel movies yeah. playing Vision and, and Wanda. Yeah. 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 And, it, it, and can you say what kind of TV shows it, it emulates? It's like, well, it it goes through different decades, but yes. it starts in the 1950s. So mm-hmm. think um, like Dick Mary, Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I Love Lucy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it kind of moves on to Bewitched a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then it's sort of Brady Bunch. I think it, the house is exactly like the Brady Bunch. At yeah. One point. As it continues through yeah. the decades. Yeah. It's so it's very interesting. As one person I know who said, uh, who was talking about it, they can't wait for it to get to the everybody loves Raymond period. Oh, dear. <laughs> you know, if it's going through the decades or the full house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. No. 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 I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah. So go check out one. Yeah, excellent. It looks. It looks super. It's fun. entertaining. Yeah. I would like to actually just start again. And from it's the gonna and watch it. make you very confused. And uh, definitely make sure you watch the last Avengers movie. Right. Because I don't think it would make any sense. Uh, End game. Yeah. 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 Before Otherwise, you watch this. Yeah. Excellent choice. Well. There you go. Mine was talking about absolutely no superpowers at all and a cow in Oregon. And, and yours was about uh, so many superpowers, superpowered beings living in suburbia. So, yeah. you know, in a way, aren't we just talking about the same thing? Uh, really? That'd be a no. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. But so. uh, next week, I promise you, I will bring you uh, a, a weird romantic picture book. Just in time for... The romantic holiday of President's Day. Happy President's Day. Enjoy ah, this book. FDR. <laughs> oh, Truman. I'm just going <laughs> to stop you right there <laughs> and say instead that I have been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM, or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Keim, and our Foley artist is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird.